0: Welcome to Keys to the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and I'm going to talk to you about the kingdom of God. As I promised on Blog Talk this morning, uh, we're going to look at this idea of government, and a lot of people say, well, what is the church talking about government for? Well, that's because the church is one form of government. There's lots of forms of government out there, and so what kind of government should you have? In my studies of Different churches all over the world, I've looked at their doctrines and their polities and their forms of governing themselves, and there's quite a variety out there. But is Christ that um, confusing? Or is the early church not the same, or at least our vision of the early church not the same everywhere in all these other churches? Or should we imagine so proudly that the early church got it wrong, but we figured it out because we have evolved to becoming better Christians. Well, the reality is if all the people that said that they were Christians were Christians, the world would not be in the mess that it's in today because they're not really doing what Christ said. And as I've said many times, and we keep pointing back one of the best definitions, of the church I have found, I actually found in Black's Dictionary, and it has been consistent in Black's 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth edition, although they've added a little bit more, they're always adding a little bit more to the definition, and that's one of the ways in which they change the meaning of words, is they add more and add more, and then all of a sudden, they delete a little bit of the the beginning definition. The original definition, and now the word becomes meaning something else, which is why when looking at documents like the Constitution, they go back to Bouvier and dictionaries that were available at the time of the writing of the Constitution, because in order to understand the meaning of the words, they are meant only in the context that they were written then. Because the Constitution is a contract between men. Now we've explained many times before, and we do in the book Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions, that the people were not a party to that contract. They weren't. They had no social contract, and uh, with the United States federal government, because they weren't a party to it. So therefore, they aren't signers of it. So we the people doesn't refer to the individuals Americans living in the different states on their own land and feed simple. The Constitution had nothing to do with them. The Constitution had to do with the people who signed it and eventually ratified it. Now, it's interesting that on this day in history in 1788, Maryland became the seventh state to ratify the constitution of the united states of america there would only be two more states that ratified the constitution and it would be put in place and implemented and that was against the law it was a violation of law to start using the constitution in 1789 uh or when they started using, actually implementing the the terms of the Constitution. Because all the states had not yet ratified. And they had already agreed that they would make no changes at all, none. Especially something as radical as the Constitution. (laughs) They would make no changes at all unless they had unanimous agreement amongst the states. And they didn't have it. So it was never legally ratified, and very clearly not legally ratified, because when they implemented the Constitution of the United States, they began to put pressure on those states that had not ratified it, little old Rhode Island. They made it difficult for Rhode Island, because they didn't ratify it. But the point is, is it's here, and the point is also that the people in those states are now a party to it. But they aren't the party that they think they are. They have become a party to it because they've all become federal employees. They've all joined the government. And they've become residents in their own states. And many other things they've done. They have no money. They have no money. Their gold and silver has all run out long ago. The famine of Egypt has already taken place. And you've already cast your gold and silver into the streets, into the power of the city. Because you don't even own it anymore. You have no right to own it. You have legal title okay. to it. Another whole topic which we won't get into, but we do get into in uh, the book Covenants of the God. So you've... Your money has already run out. You've already cast it into the streets. You don't own your money. You don't own your land. You don't own your car. You don't own your right to labor. You have entered back into the bondage of Egypt. And you have become a party to the Constitution of the United States. It's become part of your social contract. But it's only a part of your social contract. And in it, it guarantees you the right to contract. And in the Judiciary Act of 1789, it made room for equity, where there was no remedy at common law. And most of the activities that Americans have been indulging in for the last 50 to 100 years, there is no remedy at common law. There is only a remedy in equity. Yet I see men every day coming up and demanding their common law rights. Your common law right, the contract is real. They said, "Well, I didn't see the contract. It has to be written out. It has to be plain." It is written out. It is written out in the statutes, which are published. Because you did not go read the fine print, does it make the contract invalid. Besides that, you have taken the benefits. We go into the uh, this idea of call no man father. Another layer to the problem that binds you into this system. That there are three elements that are required for you to give up your position as this natural son of a natural father and go under the father of the state. Or go under the state as your father. One is you need to have a novitiate, a registration, that... You are a child of the state. When they imposed that in 168 A.D. with Marcus Aurelius saying he had to register your child's birth within 30 days of its birth with the Bureau of Vital Statistics of that day, which was found in the Temple of Saturn, because that was a government building. That's what they were doing in those temples, keeping records to minister their system of Corban that made the word of God to none effect, Christians would not register their children and were persecuted officially by Marcus Aurelius, probably more so than any other emperor. Yet he was a pretty good guy. Except he just didn't like them Christians because they would not play ball. They would not get the mark of the beast of his day. The second thing besides registration at birth is you had to start have a record of accepting benefits: your Oregon Trail card, your WIC program, your public school education. You got to show that you're a member to get that education, and because that's a benefit, that's what they call tutor. It's all described in Call No Man Father pamphlet you can read, and articles you can read free at hisholychurch.org in detail shows you. They knew that you needed three parts to this, binding an individual under the state as your father. And then when you reach the age of majority, whether it be 14, as it was at one time in history, or 18, as it was at another time in history, or 21 even in some places, but the point is, whatever they accept and is generally published, as it is written, so it is done. The last and final thing is that you must sacrifice on their altars. You must tithe, pay the tax, because you are subject. And now the great white father is your father, not your father in heaven. Your father is in Paris, or your father is in London, or your father is in Washington, D.C., or in Rome. But Jesus said, call no man father. He didn't mean don't call your father father. You were to honor your father until you, if you go get married, you ask permission. And then you become a father under the authority of your father, but your father should grant you frank permission where he doesn't regulate you, but you should be tithing to your father, and your father would be tithing to the minister of his choice in a free will offering system of Corbin that turned you into a nation of people. On this day in history in 1789, the mutiny on the HMS bounty occurred, and Fletcher Christian, the crew of the British ship, set Captain Bly adrift with 18 sailors in a small open boat in the South Pacific. One of the amazing things about that story is is Bly's navigation skills in that open boat got those men to safety. <laughs> that was a lot more amazing than Fletcher, uh, Fletcher Christian. But they kind of walked the plank. They survived. They ended up on an island out in the South Pacific, and you can still go and see their descendants to this day. But they were ostracized from society. They made the captain walk the plank rather than they walked the plank. But Christianity is a different way of dealing with tyranny. It's dealing with tyranny as God on your side. On this day in history, also, the League of Nations was founded, which is the forerunner of the United Nations, where nations are contracting with each other and contracting. And actually, uh, a quote about uh, nations and... uh, and seas that we talk about, a lot of prophetic people talk about uh, uh, the, these nations. If you look at the original Greek, it actually has to do with the contracting of nations. And this is why in Deuteronomy, you should never give your leaders treaty-making powers because they will bind you with other nations. They will make covenants with you with other nations, which is why Christ said, my kingdom's not of this world meaning the court of Rome. We have no contract with you, which is why Hercanus, who had been hailed as king and palm branches waved when he came into Jerusalem, told the uh, general from Rome, invited into Judea, He didn't come as a conquering nation. He came because he was invited in as a peacekeeping force because Rome was getting this idea that it was to be the policeman to the world, which eventually led to their bankruptcy. But they were coming in there to settle a civil war. And Hyrcanus was the rightful king. And Rome eventually recognized him, although he wasn't the one who invited them. And they offered their support to Hercunus, and Hercunus refused it because he couldn't contract with this other nation. If he did, he would start to make a League of Nations with Rome. He'd be a part of the Pax Romana. And no king actually did that in Israel, now rightful king. Of course, they had a king that was not the rightful king. Which was Herod, because Herod was not born of that nation. He was a foreigner. And that was one of those five things that you were to include in your Constitution, four of which are not included in the United States Constitution. The fifth is that he had to be one of you, born in your nation, born as a part of your nation, according to the terms of being born as a part of your nation. That was included in there, but evidently it's disregarded in the United States and probably many other nations as well. But the point is, what form of government should we have? Well, we shouldn't have a form of government that allows treaty-making powers. We shouldn't have a form of government that uh, has a central treasury. Uh, We shouldn't have a a form of government that reduces us to the bondage of Egypt We shouldn't have a form of government that has a professional army. These are the things that are listed off in Deuteronomy. So, of course, Christ had none of those things. They took care of one another. They provided for one another. But they were not a part of that system of the world government. Now I'm going to ask uh, just to make sure that we're still on the air and connected. Uh, Paul, are we still there?
1: <laughs> yeah, we're still here. Are you feeling lonely?
0: <laughs> uh, well, I, I was getting uh, calls in the background and people trying to buzz us, and I thought, well, uh, maybe I've lost you. I looked over. It looked like we were still contacted. I'm going to give the telephone number if somebody wants to call in and ask a question.
1: Yeah, i actually- can. Actually, I want to...
0: 555, five, uh, excuse me, 559 five, number? 726? 1300, zero, zero. is that right?
1: That is right, but we just got disconnected from them for some reason. Oh, we did? Yeah.
0: Are you able to reconnect eventually?
1: Yeah, I, I can reconnect, but it's going to make sounds.
0: Okay. Okay, well, maybe we'll do it during the break. So after the break, which is coming up in about eight minutes... uh you can try to call in the 559-726-1300, and you'll need a code number. And it's seven nine five one three two. and then it says here star six. Is that a mute number, or is that what tells them that you want to call?
1: That's star six is if they want to ask a question.
0: Okay, if they want to ask a question, star six. But we'll give that number when we get back from the break. And uh, we'll just continue with this idea of what form of government is the one form of government that Christ was preaching. Because there are lots and lots of forms of government. One of the things, though, uh, while we're on this topic, that we see as a common theme throughout the Bible is that we are to make no covenants. Well, certainly that's why you, your leaders should not have treaty-making powers, because treaties are covenants. And if you give them the power to make covenants for you, that's, that's kind of like double jeopardy. I mean, uh, you're putting yourself in real serious uh, trouble if you're going to give them the right to not only could you make covenants with other nations, now he can make covenants for you, for the whole nation. And, of course, Christ would make no such covenant. And Hyrcanus, even, as poor a king as he was, he would make no such covenants. And, of course, if uh, Herod made such covenants, they aren't really valid because Herod wasn't a valid king. But he did an awful lot of things. He preached the kingdom of God. He baptized people into the kingdom of God. But he, his form of the kingdom of God was to force you to contribute to the welfare of your neighbor. And that was the corbin of the Pharisees that made the word of God to none effect. That was impure religion. And almost all states today have gotten into the area of religion. Religion is how you take care of the needy of your society. And I read on Blog Talk the definition in Blacks, and I'll read it here, is the church in its most general sense. Now, that's a general sense. It's not a specific sense. But it's still in its most general sense is the religious society founded and established by Jesus Christ to receive, preserve, and propagate his doctrines and his ordinances. Ordinances, that's like laws. That's like governments produce ordinances. Well, of course, Christ did have ordinances. He had direction and directives. And we've talked in previous programs about all the different words in the Bible that are translated ordinance and the different words and meanings of that. But the fact is Christ did have ordinances. He said, you know, all of his ordinances rested on two basic principles of law, to love God, which is righteousness, because that's what we're seeking, the righteousness of God, not the righteousness of Joe, but the righteousness of God. And, besides the righteousness of God, love one another, specifically as Christ loved us. Especially if you're going to be a minister, you have to love those people that you serve as Christ loved His ministers. And that means that you want them to begin to think as individuals, act as individuals, to find the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit is writing upon their hearts and on their minds. You don't want to sit up there on Sabbath for two hours writing on their minds and making them think your way. I don't want to do that. I want you to start thinking God's way. And I'll talk about it in this impersonal forum, but you have to seek it yourself. You have to act yourself. You can't just sit there. The activities of the church established by Jesus Christ don't take place while you're sitting in the pew. They take place when you roll up your sleeves and get busy doing the will of the Father. Not those who say, Amen, Amen. Not those who say, Lord, Lord. Not those who say, I believe, I believe but those who do it the will of the Father. Christ said that. That's his doctrine. So whatever I tell you, if it rings true in you, you need to act upon it. Second part of that definition. The church, if the first part was in the most general sense, the second part is more specific. A body or community of Christians united under one form of government by the profession of one faith. There is no other king but Christ. I don't have any other agreements with any other king but Christ. This is a Christian in a community under one form of government with one faith. And it goes on to say, and the observance of the same rituals and ceremonies, the same forms. This is why you have to create a network where you not are, you're not just recognized by your congregation, but you're recognized by ministers of other congregations and why you need to recognize a minister for yourself. Bottom up, not top down, it's not coming from me. I'm not going to appoint a minister or overseer over you. You have to recognize the minister that you choose. You have to tithe to him according to your choice to an amount based upon the services you see. And if your congregation needs more help, you're going to need to reach out to that network of ministers that will choose or not choose to support the need in you, in pure religion, unspotted by the world. The Constitutional Orders, the system of men, or all those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. So anyway, we'll return to Keys to the Kingdom after this short break, and we'll tell you how that form of government operates.
2: I pledge allegiance to the King of kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, one holy nation under the Heavenly Father, with grace, mercy, and justice for all.
3: The Greatest Prophecy DVD from Across the Border Productions. Embrace the little known. The greatest prophecy given by the great high priest, the once secret plan for mankind. At the first sacrificial event, believe it. Behold the end times in Daniel chapter 2, because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion. Because, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Be forewarned. America, in prophecy, exposed for all to see. You must see it. The mark of the beast. No, it's not a biochip implant. A much better and more secure technology is already here. And you are already using it. We will bonus you with a free copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, the Inquisition, when you send a support donation of $20 to First Amendment Radio. Visit the shopping page at our website or send $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Send your support donation of $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, Avenue, Tulare, California, or $30 U.S. for international priority mail outside the U.S.A. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the times to come. Will you be ready? The Greatest Prophecy DVD. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church. The whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth. Will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them?
4: If not you, get this DVD for a donation of twenty five dollars from live dot com. Order online today or call five five nine
3: seven eight one thirty seven seventy three. Now listen to me.
0: Welcome back to Keys to the Kingdom. I'll give you that number one more time that you can call in and ask a question. 559-726-1300. And the code number to get on this particular show is 795-132. And then you push star six if you have a question. Otherwise, you can just listen. Okay. So we're talking about that one form of government. When you talk about one form of government, you need to talk about all the other forms of government that are not a part of that one form of government so that you can eliminate those from what that one form of government is. And uh, there's all kinds of forms of government. There's democracies and republics, and then, of course, there's breakdowns of... You know, what's a democracy, a democracy, and then there's indirect democracies and constitutional democracies, and there's monarchies, and then there's Marxist governments, which uh, can be autonomous Marxism. Uh, communism has many different forms. Most of the communist governments that you see around claim also to be republics, and what they actually are is communist governments within republics. In other words, they allow you the choice of becoming a communist within the republic. And, of course, then there is all these governments are capable of breaking their own rules and have ways in which to deal with that. But you can even go farther and farther besides republics and constitutional republics. There's anarchism, there's uh, mutualism, and then somebody breaks that down into free mutualism. There's socialism, which is usually considered a prelude to communism, but then there's libertarian socialism. I mean, there's just so many different varieties where you're going back and forth, so you can't just deal in labels. You have to deal in precepts and principles, and somebody was saying that Christ was a socialist, and... I was asked, well, was Christ a socialist? Well, yeah, without the gun. Socialism with a gun. Socialism where you compel the contributions of the people in order to provide the social benefits. That's not what Christ was. He actually specifically said you couldn't be like that. Socialism is where the state is your benefactor. Well, in God's government, you're the state. The state is in your hands. But, of course, now, if the state is in your hands, you're in a state of anarchy. You have no state, no centralized state. So there's, there's not really a compromise, but there's, the cleverest political trick I have ever seen in the history of mankind, and I've read a lot about history, was what Abraham came up with, which is what Moses came up with, which is what Christ came up with, because they're all listening to the same God. They were all doing it precept upon precept. And they created a centralized government that was titular, in name only, that didn't have treaty-making powers, couldn't compel taxes, couldn't exercise authority one over the other, except in forgiveness. And, and you would be absolutely shocked if you knew how far that forgiveness went in the power of government, in the kingdom of God. What you do in the kingdom of God is really unique amongst all governments. It is peculiar amongst all forms of government. When you elect this man to be your minister... You are electing him to be your public servant, to provide the social welfare of your society, to take care of the needy in pure religion, as James calls it, unspotted from the world. We recently looked at a religious group, Twelve Tribes, and they still allow their people to collect Social Security. We allow people to collect Social Security. We allow them to do all kinds of things because they're only in free congregation. We don't encourage them to do that. We don't want to see them starve. We encourage them to create the system of Corbin that makes the Word of God to effect rather than the system of Corbin that makes the Word of God to none effect. Now, our ministers, our ordained ministers, they don't collect Social Security. I'm eligible for Social Security. I'm not collecting it. That's just the way we do it because we've given up those rights. We have no wealth in the treasury of Herod. We've given that all up. Give that away. Everything that we put in, you can give that away to the needy of your society. We are now... Ministers in another society, based on faith, hope, and charity, based on the ways of Christ, based on pure religion. Recently, I posted to the contact ministers of our Living Network, which you should all be a part of, and showed them that even in Canada, they recognize this one form of government as separate. You need to find out what that means, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Kingdom of God is not a democracy. It's not an indirect democracy. It's closer to a republic than probably any other form of government. But there's elements of anarchism in the kingdom, but not anarchism in the sense of chaos anarchism as in the sense that you as individuals in the congregations have no contract with us. You don't have to obey us. You don't have to do what we tell you. You don't have to pay us anything. All the choices that God gave you at the beginning of creation remain with you. You are free in your congregation. Free assembly. That doesn't guarantee that you haven't made covenants and contracts and constitutions with other people, but in the context of the congregation in your relationship with the church established by Jesus Christ, you are free. And so you can become a member of a congregation at any time in any status. And now you can begin to take that walk that Christ has offered you to set you free. Joining a congregation does not make you free. It sets you on the road to liberty under God, in the kingdom of God, where you have the right to be ruled by God. But you have to walk that walk, not just talk that talk. You have to actually join in a congregation that begins to take care of one another. You have to pick a minister that wants to congregate, too, with other ministers to take care of their needs. And as servants of servants, their needs include the needs of those they serve, because they're servants. When you give to them, that servant, you give to the whole congregation he serves. But the choice in how he serves that congregation is up to him, and it is your choice if he is doing the work of God to say so and be a part of that congregation. And if he's not doing the work of God, you need to call him out on that. You need to say, you're not the social welfare of my family. You're just up there talking to me every week. You're not connecting me with the rest of the kingdom seekers throughout the world. You're just excluding me into this little group to come and listen to you for an hour or two hours every week. You get us to help each other, but only to keep us in your little pocket. Because you're not actively going out there connecting us To your connection with other ministers. I have a congregation, a congregation of ministers. And those ministers that look to me to be their minister need to be ministers to the people they serve, and part of that service is to connect the people they serve with all the other people seeking the kingdom. In an electronic and phone and spiritual network of common love. This is what Christ was preaching, the kingdom of God, the right to be ruled by God that requires that you take on the responsibility of being the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. This is the way of the kingdom. So the kingdom of God is a lot of things. It's not a dictatorship. You heard me in the early part of the show mentioning different things that happened on this day. Well, in 1945, the Italian dictator Benito Mussolini and his mistress, Clara Patacci, were hung upside down in machine guns and executed by the people who were liberating Italy but they didn't liberate Italy. They just killed Benito Mussolini. You don't find freedom by attacking tyrants. You find freedom by setting your neighbors free, by seeking righteousness. You set your neighbors free by moving in a direction where you no longer need to pray to those men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority. That's yeah, how you lunch. set yourself free. Do you have a call?
1: Yeah, we've got a couple questions from okay. the conference line. I'm going to uh, address area code 712. You're on the air.
5: Hello.
0: Hello.
6: Hi, Paul. It's Scott in Iowa.
0: And make sure you're close to the phone. You sound kind of distant from here.
6: Yeah, is that better? A little better. I had you on, I had you on speaker so I could keep listening and keep doing things. Um, yeah, I, I know that, um, you know, at the Missouri gathering, there were quite a few people that uh, still had quite a few questions after that little presentation that was given and kind of stumbled and bumbled through and kind of cut short because it was getting very late, Uh, one of the things that um, I was hoping maybe you might touch on is, um, you know, earlier you mentioned that uh, we get kind of tied into this system that Pharaoh offers to us, Caesar offers to us, Uncle Sam offers to us uh, by benefits. And I think one of the biggest benefits that we tend to overlook and that we uh, really want to get very angry about is the economy. Of, of Uncle Sam, uh, System of Commerce, and the way in which he offers, you know, uh, the trade barter and, and kind of discharging debts and equity with Federal Reserve notes and checks. And when we use that system, uh, we are receiving a benefit. Um, even if we're paying cash under the table, uh, all we're really doing at that point is, uh, is denying our father the tribute that we owe him. Uh, could you expound a little bit maybe on that and, and uh, maybe mention the clay scarab idea of the folks in uh, uh, Egypt during the time of bondage?
0: Right. Uh, the uh, bondage that we end up in by using their notes, their scarabs, uh, let's, let's lay a little groundwork for people who don't quite understand how this all works. The Golden Cap was a central bank. Uh, The temple at Ephesus was a world bank. These temples, uh, these systems, all had to do with centralizing wealth because when you centralize wealth, you centralize control. And it was sold to the people as a good idea because it forced the loyalty, in other words, it forced the faith and fidelity, of the citizens of a state when all your gold was in this central treasury, which the Greeks called the reserve fund. You know, they had a regular treasury with coins so that they could pay their sailors and soldiers and pay for their government benefits. But they had this reserve fund, this huge statue that was often out there where it was visible and you could see if somebody was scraping off an arm or a leg as a matter of security. Occasionally, the Greeks would have to saw off parts of the statue, melt it down, make coins, in order to keep the army going. Uh, But uh, the reality is that was their central treasury, something that was always forbidden uh, by Moses, not done by Abraham, not done by Jesus Christ, certainly. Uh, But that's what you do when you start exchanging that thing of value you may call money, such as, something of present value like gold and copper and silver, which make very handy forms of exchange or commodity money to have an actual intrinsic value. We're not talking coin of the realm here. We're just talking about substance. Uh, that when they start pulling that into a common thing and giving you something else that's like a promissory note, a scarab that represents wealth but may not be, And then depending on how you do that, you know, like today, most of the money that is causing inflation today is not the printing presses. (laughs) It's actually the the banks themselves that are on a fractional reserve system. So that creates the use of those notes or the use of those scarabs as it was in Egypt or uh, they had iron coin in Rome uh, because they – withdrew the silver, they took the silver out of the coin and this eventually caused runaway inflation, which is what is the design of what is they're planning today. Uh, the people that are really behind all this it's you know, it's not the Muslim Brotherhood or or any of this. The the people that are really behind all this, that's the people that are really behind all this want the absolute total destruction of mankind. And uh that's really the motivation, and all these other people that are you know bankers and what have you are just the useful idiots to that ultimate end. But there's a failing in that that benefit in calling the use of those notes a benefit i mean u s notes are used all over the world, and they're used by people everywhere, and when they're actually issued, they say that they can be used by anybody anywhere and uh that that isn't what binds us it is a form of benefit and it is a form of addiction because you end up needing that and it is a part of that bondage because of the addiction where you you have nothing else to exchange uh because you aren't dealing in the system of god but it doesn't really legally bind you by the use of those notes but being legally bound is not the major problem, because that could go away in a minute, in a second, in a twinkling of an eye. The real problem is the spiritual bondage that's created because you're absolutely willing to give somebody a note that's worthless as if it has value. I was just in a store uh, a couple days ago uh, that I had to go up to town with somebody And we were in the store, and the lady in front of me in the line paid with a couple of bills, and one of them was ripped in half. And the lady at the cash register immediately took the note and started taping it back together again. And, of course, as I am always preaching the kingdom, no matter where you find me, I said, oh, you're going to restore its value by taping it together. And she smiled and said yes and the other lady looked over at me and smiled and everything, you know, I'm such a charming young fellow, uh although I'm an old man <laughs> uh and then I said, The problem is it didn't have any value to begin with you know, as the lady continued to tape the bill together on both sides at <laughs> a little moment here to preach the kingdom. I said, If you go to the the Federal Reserve website, on their website they state Federal Reserve notes have no value, <laughs> unquote. And uh, I continued on for about five minutes while they were packaging up all their stuff. And then after that, other lady left, and uh, the, I was there with the teller and continued on. And she was, you know, getting a little lesson in money. You know, the prices you're paying in the stores are not because the items are more expensive. It's because the notes are worth less. And you're being robbed as we're having this program right now. The notes in your pocket are worth less today or this moment than they were at the beginning of the show. And this, this process will continue because you put your faith in the unrighteous man. And so I, I often ask people, do you want me to pay you in money or notes? And then I explain to them the difference. And you can't buy land, a lawful title of land, with a legal tender. You can't do it. It's impossible. And so this is all part of that bondage scheme. Ultimately, what's going to set you free is the currency of Christ, which is charity and love and forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the biggest forms of charity there is. And you, in order to do that, in a righteous way, you need to gather together with other people who want to do that, at least want to do that a little bit, and move in that direction.
6: Can I ask another a
0: question? Sure.
6: Well, that brings up another point. Um, until people are willing to forgive, and I'm not talking about just individually, but collectively, that, that system, their substitute father, Uh, It's hard for people to see this other side, this other aspect of of the, you know, the kingdom as it exists at hand in the flesh. So, you know, how how do people let go? How do you recommend that ministers work to help people let go of all that anger, frustration uh, at the system, thinking that they can just walk away individually instead of coming together in, in free assembly? To build the kingdom of God at hand.
0: Right. Uh, people have a love hate relationship with the evil ones of the world. They love to hate them. And to love to hate is not the love of Christ. And it creates another bondage. And, and you know, one of the things uh, I actually saw an email just before uh, I went on the air earlier this morning where somebody was uh, bad mouthing uh, the Bible and. Uh, uh, they were under the goofy assumption that uh, there is no uh, historical record of Moses ever being in Egypt or any of that stuff, and there's actually a very rich historical evidence of that. But there's a few archaeologists that are promoting that ridiculous concept, and people who want to believe that they believe it because it supports the hate they have for the system, and that will that will drag you down. I mean, didn't anybody see Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hate draws you into the dark side of the the force. Uh, it's love that's going to set you free. And when you really start moving in the direction of the kingdom, you don't have time to hate the rulers of the world. You actually start developing a certain sympathy for them. You have to remember Saul was a great guy out there defending justice, but then the weakness of the people made him king despite the warnings of Samuel and that giving him that power corrupted him it corrupted David it corrupted uh, uh, uh Solomon it corrupted Rehoboam that's our fault if you really start seeking the kingdom you're too busy to hate you are too busy doing righteousness and you you know when the the, most of the people that were in Jerusalem at the fall of Jerusalem that were Christian followers of Christ, they weren't called Christians yet, but they were followers of Christ, had accepted Christ as their king, had been cast out of the social welfare system of Herod and the Pharisees and Sadducees, and were a part of a different system where their ministers worked daily in the temple, but operated by free will offerings that gave each of their people a titleist that said this person is, is paid up. They don't owe any taxes. And that was one of the things that I sent off the, concerning the laws of Canada, which are also the laws similar to the laws of the U.S. We're going to end up going to a break here before we finish. But we'll talk about that when we get back. But they were actually set free, operating a separate government from the Pharisees, and they left Jerusalem overnight and they were ready to do it. And I'll tell you what they took in their first. when we get back to the keys of the kingdom.
2: You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom, dot is holy church dot net.
3: Now listen to me. The Bible says, "Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's." I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Yeah. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have.
4: Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com.
0: back to keys of the kingdom uh we recently had a uh a gathering in missouri uh scott was there a uh, number of people paul was there a number of other people were there uh, i get nothing but praises concerning scott's presentation everybody was has been telling me that it really helped them. um but i won't humiliate him anymore with that compliment <laughs> but uh, we also are going to have a fall festival here at the uh uh, last week of September, and if some people want to come out earlier and work on that, that's perfectly okay. Uh, uh, they'll probably have to rough it a bit at times, but um, we got lots of work to do. If you want to be a part of that fall festival, which is our Burning Bush festival, our uh, uh, equivalent of uh, the fall festivals in the spirit of the fall festivals that uh, Israel used to have. Uh, that uh, we call the Feast of the Um Get involved. Join the network. Go to HisHolyChurch.org. Click on the drop-down menu with a guy with a net. Connect to the network. Pick a contact, minister. We've got more volunteers coming up. I uh, just had a volunteer on the Indiana group. Uh, we've got other volunteers listed. We have volunteers that have been elected now. Um, Claude was elected, and uh, I moved his. Uh, information over to the list of PCMs that we have and now these men have to work themselves to get together and organize themselves but as you join that network that's where the information is going to come that's where the connections are going to be made on the ground, we have a PCM moving from Boston all the way out to Grants Pass Um, uh, Paul's going to be out there, Uh, Paul is actually the uh, Son in law to the guy who runs com, another Paul, and uh, uh, that's where we're going to be putting out the article on uh, the beloved anarchist uh, to explain not because we are anarchists in the sense that most people think of, but we are, uh, there are elements of anarchy in the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom because you're setting these free from the organized state but you can't be free from the organized state without becoming a system of chaos unless you are organized from the heart and that's what you need to do well right now we're talking about money and uh, I I can't remember the exact question but I was moving over to uh, point out that in uh, Judea still at the time of Christ they were still using gold and silver and copper as the coinage of the day, and had lots of different kinds of coins that were made. Uh, Actually, people still carried around nuggets of gold, nuggets of silver, and traded with that. Everybody knew how to do that. They were familiar with that. We have some people on our network that could actually teach us more about that, Uh, but those were substantive money. It wasn't just coin of the realm. You had to pay your taxes in the coin of the realm, which is why they needed money changers. Uh, but uh, people carry all kinds of different forms of commodity money in their pockets and use other things as trading. Where commodity money is something that has a present value uh, of itself, not a stamped value that's put on it. Whether it's on iron coin or gold coin, uh, it's not the stamped value, it's the actual substance itself that we hold the value. Uh, the only reason they Have a coin of the realm is to pay taxes. You don't need that. But what was going on in Jerusalem is they had created this system of social welfare, uh, which was a compelled Corbin. People had signed up for it. Then along comes John the Baptist and Jesus Christ preaching a system of voluntary offerings, which is what Moses had taught, which Abraham had taught, and which the prophets had always taught. And people were starting to become a part of that. There was a backlash that was saying, no, you can't do that, but eventually Christ was such a uh, powerful character and had a right to the throne that they couldn't stop him from preaching his kingdom. They tried to say that he was subverting the funds. There were actually people in government that were saying, no, well, I recognize Christ, and that was the big problem. There was no king in Jerusalem. Uh, there was a king in Galilee. There was a king, you know, Philip over there in another part of the kingdom of Judah, but in the part that contained Jerusalem, there was no king. Jesus is this king, and he starts preaching voluntary taxes, free will offering. a system of Corban, of social welfare that was based on free will offerings that was operated by ministers who did not exercise authority, who were titular, this is a pure republic. He's talking about. He's actually in the government doing this. Well, Rome said we recognize Jesus, just like Rome said we recognize Herod. But now they're saying we recognize Jesus as this king. Anybody who got became a part of his government by baptism, instead of a part of Herod's government by baptism, was cast out of the system that's set up by Herod the Corbin. They were opting out of the social security system. They were no longer employees of the government of Judea paying into that system. They were now members of the kingdom of God. And that all began on Pentecost, ten days after Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and wait. But now this other government was still operating there because Jesus isn't forcing them to go along with his system. It's a voluntary system. They started coining their own money. They had said there had no king but Caesar, but now they were ticked at Caesar. They hated and were jealous of men like James, who was the head of the church. And they threw him off of a wall and killed him. But we don't depend on our leaders to give us courage. We depend on Christ in us to give us courage. So the uh uh Christian the followers of Christ, were still a viable government. They weren't centering their government in a single man. So now all of a sudden, Roman soldiers were coming there to enforce Roman law on those that said they had no king but Caesar. And the Christians, in one day, packed up and left. The city was surrounded by Roman soldiers. On all four sides, something the Roman soldiers almost never did. But they did it in this particular case for a particular reason, which is irrelevant here, but uh, they didn't want anybody to escape. Uh, They were looking for certain people that were causing trouble. And now the Christians were leaving, but the Jews who were controlling the gate The Jews who were not Jews, the Jews who were not following the king of the Jews, which was Jesus Christ, but the Jews that said they had no king but Caesar, the synagogue of the adversary, were guarding the gates, and you couldn't go out that gate unless you took all the coins and gold and silver that you might have and turned it over to them. You had to go out with an empty purse if you wanted out that gate. Some men tried to swallow the coins, and their bellies were cut open to get those coins out. So you came to the gate and gave them all your wealth. You gave them the title to your house. You didn't even go back and get your coat. All a part of prophecy back then at the fall of Jerusalem. And they walked out with nothing. But they had something. They had something in their purse that the, that those who would not follow Jesus did not see. It was invisible. It was the treasure of the kingdom. When there had been dearths in other lands, depressions in other lands, failing of economies in other lands, they had taken up gatherings of funds and supplies and sent them out. So now when they walk out with nothing, passing through the Roman lines, untouched, they were received with open arms by brethren all over the Roman Empire and beyond all the way to Ireland. They could go anywhere, and there was a brethren in a network, a living network of people that would receive them. And by receiving them, they would receive a great reward because these people came with skills and knowledge and a willingness to roll up their sleeves and a willingness to forgive and love one another. And it was a utopia, not in one place, but a utopia in the hearts of every man who would come together in the Spirit of Christ. This was the treasure. This is the treasure of the kingdom. You cannot steal that away. You can try to stamp it out. But when they really try to stamp it out, the pillar of fire of Christ will stand between them and you and protect you. So I'm getting a little metaphorical here, but not as metaphorical as some people might think. (laughs) So anyway, there was a great migration from one kingdom to the next, but that migration already took place in the hearts of the people. Well, they didn't want to, they wanted to inform you, you know, those notes you're taking are worthless. And they will tell you in the store. They will tell you in the streets. They won't beat you over the head with it. They'll do it with a smile and you'll smile back. And my son was standing next to me and the lady finally said with a big smile on her face, if you have any more gems like that, I would rather not hear them. (laughs) <laughs> it spoke to my son they don't want to hear the truth she was happy to hear because I said it with such joy in my heart she wasn't mad or upset but she admitted I don't want to hear it I want to stay comfortable in my life thinking these things have value and this is, <laughs> she was not free and I can't I, you know, people ask you if I have the power to cast out demons. Somebody asked me that not too long ago. I said, yes, yeah, but usually the people leave with the demons because they don't want to let go of the demons. And we can't do anything about that. And it breaks my heart to see them do that. But God mends it back again because I have faith in the ways of God. What we're looking at here is a Great Migration. On this day in history, in 1947, Norwegian an anthropologist Thor Heyerdahl showed that in a balsam craft, the Kaniki, you could move from Peru all the way to Polynesia. Why do you think somebody was setting out on that voyage? Just for fun? They had to migrate because of the uh, spiritual tyranny that was going on at that time. Uh, you know, in 1952, on this day in history, Japan officially ended... uh, the war was signing this treaty with the United States and 47 other nations. Right now, Japan (laughs) is negotiating to get back some of the islands that they had to give up to China and Russia. They can move parts of their population over there because of the radiation that is contaminating their country from Fukushima. Our country is contaminated with another kind of radiation. I know people out here in Summer Lake where it never rains are worried about Fukushima radiation. And it is coming over, and it is contaminant. But you should be worried about the contamination of the world that has already taken place in our hearts. If we will turn our hearts around and begin to take those steps back towards the kingdom, no poisons will poison us. We will have a road and a path to follow. Uh, We have gone away from the kingdom and we can't even see it from where we stand today. And the money system is evidence of that. But if we would start to become righteous, take those notes you have now and use them for the benefit of those that are wanting to move to the kingdom. Stop hoarding your treasure. Start letting it flow out to others in your midst to strengthen the poor, to prepare a way. That's what they were doing in Jerusalem. Had they not taken the funds that they had when they had plenty and shared with those that did not have enough but were seeking the kingdom, they would have had no place to go when they had to migrate from Jerusalem overnight leaving everything that they had that they thought at one time was of value. Don't mask the treasures. I mean, right now people are hoarding their Federal Reserve notes as if they're hoarding value. Some people have seen they don't have value, so they're hoarding gold and silver. If, you know what happens if you hoard the blood of your body in one part of your body? You have a rupture, an aneurysm. And you die. You can't do that. The body, in order to be healthy, must flow out with the love of Christ as often as possible. And that's not just blind charity. That's righteous charity. So I don't know. Did I answer your question, Scott? <laughs> did I go off on too much of a tangent? All right, Scott, stay you, there. You,
6: you, did it, uh, you did a great job. Uh okay. <laughs> <laughs> A lot more than, uh, than uh, what I was expecting, so...
0: No, I, it, it must be fire hose days. You know, people ask yeah. for a baptism, and I bring out the fire hose.
6: Well, whether or not we <laughs> hear it, that's another thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I've got it turned all the way up. <laughs> but uh, that gives people a little bit of insight into the form of government that God has and intends—that one form of government that. Uh, operates by faith, hope, and charity, but it is a government. It's not chaos. It's well-organized. Anybody who's, you ever see a big fish net that men weave by hand, it's huge. It's massive, and if you're going out fishing with a boat in those days like they were doing, like Peter was doing, there were people, of course, that fished in the shallows, but if you really wanted to pull in those big holes, you had to go out in deeper water. They threw that net out and then jumped in the water. They took off their clothes and jumped in the water and swam out and they were, they had buoys on it, but they had to literally hold up the edges of the net to catch those fish. They had to bring in the fish and then trap them and bring that huge net together and then get back up on the boat and all pull together to pull that net up on the boat, especially if it was full. They talk about when Jesus said, throw your nets on the other side. We don't have a good net yet to throw into the other side. (laughs) So we have to get men to come together in the hope of creating a network that will bring people together in righteousness. You know, a living network. Sure. (laughs) You know,
6: are, are we better off to be very patient with forming that net, so that when the knot is tied in that net, it's a solid knot, rather than a very loose knot that is, you know, susceptible to becoming untied easily with the temptations of the system of man.
0: I think we have to tie the. You know, when you when you talk about the uh, the early net makers. There was two processes to it. first is you had to spin and weave the netting material itself. And that was made of a composite of threads. And if we look at those composite of threads, is the different characteristics of Christ. If you, if you don't have all those characteristics of Christ, that thread won't be strong enough. But you can't always tell just by looking at it. So you weave it in to the net. And then you, you you test it in the water to see if it, it binds on itself. There's a ply to it where it twists together. Does it bind on itself? Well, you'll see a weak spot develop in that net when you first go out fishing. What the fisherman does is takes his knife and cuts that out, that part of the net out, and reweaves in a new thread. But according to the same pattern, he doesn't just crisscross stitches there. He actually uses that same pattern because that pattern allows for stretch and so that one part of the net doesn't become overtaxed, that it actually depends on the strength of the pieces next to it. And where there isn't a pressure, uh, it will stretch that out so that, that the weight that you're pulling up is distributed. And so leave it with what you have. Now, obviously, if you see... If you're weaving and you see this thread, that doesn't look like it cuts it at all. I don't see hardly any of the character of Christ in this guy. Don't tie that knot. Don't tie that knot just because it kind of looks like thread. I mean, you have to examine it. But often the proof is in the use. And that's what we should be doing. That's why I say from the very beginning, and those of you who are PCMs that are listening to this call, uh, personal contact minister, that's what a PCM is. we've had a discussion that there are some people that don't look like they understand networking yet. They still have too much of this, I'm a pastor of a congregation mentality, so therefore I'm in the kingdom. I'm not a part of the world, therefore I'm in the kingdom. But the kingdom is this body, single body, one form of government, people working together, and I imagine that there are people all out there, all over the world that are beginning to see and wake up to all these different principles. This idea that the treasure of the kingdom is the treasure in your own heart. And this desire, if you're not forsaking the gathering together, your congregation will not forsake the gathering together, and your minister will see the value of connecting with nine other ministers like himself in a tight, knotted network with still openings where if you want to get out, you can get out anytime you want. You're not bound by contract. You're bound by love for one another. That's our knot. Well, in order to even tie those knots is not merely the recognition that you're a minister and you're a minister and you're a minister in my network. Tying those knots aren't real knots until you show real love for one another. You know, we have to love everybody on the network, but we can't even know everybody on the network. But we can know 10 guys. We can know 20 guys. You know, and this is one of the things I was discussing with someone just the other day on the phone. One of the contact ministers called me, is that there's the extended network out there. That's all those people who are not a part of our network but yet have elements of the kingdom in them. That takes up more time with me than all of the people that I deal with in the network. I don't know, maybe half and half. But it takes up a lot of my time. Fortunately, a lot of my family is a part of that, uh, touching the extended network. Um, but anyway, I completely forgot your original question. <laughs> I think all oh, I do remember it now is, uh, yeah, I think that we uh, have to, unless you see an actual serious shortcoming where this thread isn't even really thread anymore, uh, put the. Put the knot in place, the, t- the beginning of the knot in place. And if you watch a net guy, I'd actually like to make a video of somebody making a net, uh, weaving a net. I have the materials right here next to my desk. Just haven't kind of got around to it in my spare time. But every time you tie that knot, you're testing the yarn. Now, people don't do it as much anymore because all of our the yarn that we use to make nets with is so uniformly made. But in the old days, it depended on who was (laughs) spitting and you could get weak spots and not want that part but they just cut it out later they thought it was a flaw and they fixed it up better and that's really one of the major goals that we have right now is to putting that network together and we talked about it on the Alfred Adask show uh, he he seemed to catch on that we're dedicating ourselves to building this network Uh, but our effort is not the essential ingredient it's the effort of every individual out there who is a part of that network. And that's why those that have been picked, I want them from the beginning test the materials that we are bringing into the network. Give them a tug. Say, hey, you know, what's the deal? I, I, I see something missing here. Is it there for real? Show me. You know, so uh, is it Missouri? Is, it, is that the show me state? <laughs> it is? Yes. Yeah, okay, well, isn't that coincidence that we had uh, our first meeting this uh, year at Big meeting in Missouri, wasn't it? <laughs> so, that's where we need to start is in the show me concept. If you want to be a part of the network, it's not just being elected by two people. That's the beginning. But now you have to show the other members of that network that you're going to be a viable part of that network and that's up to every once you have that person put in there in that position every knot is pulled to see if that thread is going to hold and it is in that pulling that the knot is tightened if you pull it and it breaks cut it out, put another thread in there so those of you who are dealing with this on a day to day basis, I think you get to metaphor of what I'm talking about. We need to challenge one another and uh and hopefully uh uh improve the network every day that we do that. Are we done so, with that? I don't know. Is God done with me? <laughs> I heard people is that people talking in the chat room that little bean right hear?
6: There is there is a serious question in the chat room and I want I want that to uh, uh way to get that answered
0: yeah you got a little away, far away there Scott yeah I've got it uh, Am
6: I here
1: you're here you're just far away uh,
6: the idea that you know what you're talking about with especially what's going on with the PCMs not knowing is just trying to get people to patient is has been very difficult uh, they don't they don't share information so how do we know what somebody's doing? in Florida or Texas or somewhere else that's far away from where we individually are, uh, you know, if they don't tell us what they're doing so that we know if the net is strong.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, I just happened to have a report about somebody. I hadn't seen what is he doing, and I actually had a good report from somebody who said that he's actually doing quite a bit. Um, and uh, But I couldn't see it. I wouldn't. And the fact is I don't want all the... PCM's to report to me, but if we, from the beginning, this is what I was mentioning not too long ago, and somebody said, well, we're so small now, do we really have to form the tens, hundreds, or thousands with the contact ministers, too? Yeah, we do, because we're already seeing what's created by not having good communication. So even if you only have three or four ministers, pick a contact minister. That contact minister should be, Get in touch with those three or four guys, or those three or four guys should get in touch with that contact minister, you know, like once a week at least. If something happens, send him a little note privately. Don't just send it to the P.T.N.s, group. Send it to him, and uh, send it to the other guys that have picked him, because that's your congregation as a minister. Those other people that picked him, uh, that's your ministerial congregation, the congregation you serve is the people who picked you, and so the numbers increase that you have to tend with. But it isn't 150 people, and so if we keep to that, I can call up three guys or send an email out to three, four, five guys, maybe ten guys at the most, and say everybody in the network accounted for, it. and they say all present accounted for. <laughs> And we're organized, but we're organized by voluntary choice. Uh, and so that's why, does every contact minister have a contact minister? And if you have one, do you know everybody else that has chosen that same contact minister? And as we, you know, we're pretty small now, so we can, we can actually see and know everybody that's in the contact minister group, but if we get up to a hundred people, on the contact minister group, you're not going to be able to keep track of them at all and do justice by those people that you are in congregation to. Can you imagine, though, if we had 100 contact ministers, and they were representing 10 people apiece, and they were well organized, and we came to a festival like the Fall Festival or the meeting, the Spring Festival in in Missouri. What kind of festival, festive, festival that would be?
6: I'm going to cut you off, though, because there is a huge difference between those people that are in the Congregation of Record at Los Hills actively doing stuff, and then those people, because there's another handful of people that chose me as a PCM just on the Internet group. I can't even get those people to return my calls.
0: When yeah, we, and, and you know email, I, I absolutely but agree. that
6: congregation of record, those those people that are actually formed a congregation of record, we are in contact with one another all the time via email, phone calls, personal visits. But right. you, you know this electronic thing, I'm sorry, but it's kind of a joke because you can't get people to respond.
0: Yeah, I, and form. that 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 has been a plague that we've had from the beginning. We're going to end up going to a break, and we'll address a lot of that when we get back. And that certainly is where a patient comes in. I have better relationships with my extended network, uh, in many cases, than I have with people that might be listening to the radio program. Uh, although, you know, some of the PCMs I have a good close relationship with, uh, as close as you get at it this distance. But uh, we'll talk about that when we return to and the kingdom and that one form of government that is Christ's government.
4: Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment rights media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network, If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, We will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator. For His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening.
6: If you read the history
4: books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words,
6: the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South.
3: Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Pass Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free?
0: Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about that one form of government, and uh, most people are completely oblivious to the fact that Jesus is actually preaching a government of the people, for the people, and by the people that was an actual working, viable government that operated for almost a thousand years and was extremely successful. And even during the years of persecution uh, of The kings who rose up to stamp it out of existence, it still exists in the hearts and minds of some people around the world, and it's amazingly, uh, or amazing to find out where you do find elements of it. But now it must rise again in these days, uh, where we're coming on huge cataclysmic action. And so we're talking about what that kingdom looks like. And we were just talking about the electronic network with uh, personal contact ministers uh, that are simply there for the purposes of helping you connect with others because in seeking the kingdom, you need to not forsake the gathering together. So we created this electronic network through the Google Groups. You can get on it by going to hisolichrist.org, clicking on the drop-down menu, and joining the group in your area and saying, Who's on here that wants to seek the kingdom? Now, there's a certain element that happens with this shadow of the kingdom where you get together with other people and individually. Actually, you don't even have to get together with other people. You just pick a contact minister. And then once you do that, he should introduce you to the other people that have picked him. And then you start networking and connecting with one another. But that's still just a shadow of the kingdom. Uh, a plane was flying, over oh, the other day, a very large plane going over, and on the ground was the shadow of that plane, and that shadow passed right over us. And it just, you saw it coming across the ground and then just went right past us, and it didn't hurt us at all because there was no substance to it. And the uh, electronic network, there's no substance to it. But by the same token, to that electronic network, many of us have in reaching out physically ourselves have met people that we treasure to this day and maybe for the rest of our lives we are changed by our relationship with those people and that was born out of this shadowy network called this electronic PCM Google network because we actually physically reached out and we have PCMs that don't hardly ever communicate on the PCM group they get the emails, and we don't hear from them. And uh, they're not necessarily PCMs. They may be ministers of a congregation. They may be doing things in their own community. They may be doing all kinds of things, but they're not contact ministers. And if someone were to call them up and say, I want to be a part of the network, they'd get a hold of them. Are they going to bring them into the network? If they're not, they shouldn't be on that list. If they are not going to answer their phone, if they're not going to be there and connect you with other contact ministers or other people in your area, they should not be there because there's a purpose to being on that group. Being elected is not enough. But uh, the electronic network is a shadow, and it will go away as... As quickly as night falls, (laughs) you will not see the shadow anymore. It'll be gone. But the Living Network, which is what that electronic network is designed to give us the opportunity to do. I have a picture on my wall up here. It's been up there for, I don't know, 20-some-odd years. It's a famous cartoon where you see thousands of sheep, and they're walking along, and they're falling over a cliff. As they come to the cliff, they just keep falling over. More sheep coming behind them. And out in the middle of them is one lone sheep going the other way. Well, I've said many times, all roads lead to Rome, but all roads lead to the kingdom of God. It all depends on the direction you're going. People join the electronic network because, for the same reason they listen to Prophecy Hour, the same reason a lot of people study the Bible, is they're trying to get an edge. They're trying to find out something that will help save them. That's not the character and the image of Christ. You come to the network because you want to save somebody else, at least equally want to save somebody else as much as you want to save yourself. And that's a different spirit. And if you have that spirit, you will have the desire to connect with other people. You want to know who needs help, who really is looking for true help, Christ-like help. We want to really change, not just join my religious group, but really want to seek that kingdom of God and His righteousness, form a network of faith, hope, and charity where we won't even notice when the system collapses, because it won't have any effect on us. Actually, it will, because there will be more people that suddenly want to enter the kingdom and move in that direction and join us, but... We're seeing this slow cracking and crumbling of the system around us, and that opens up light where some people will be able to see us, but what's been holding us back is the fact that we haven't really made a complete commitment to the kingdom to form that network of faith, hope, and charity amongst ourselves. We are holding back and not saying to the other members of our network, are you really part of this network? We are not seeing the evidence of some men networking so that we have a viable network where I tug on one corner of the network and there's a connection to everybody else. I can tug on one corner and they're completely oblivious to what the rest of us are doing. That's a joke. And they're on the contact administration list. Right. We will always have people coming on the electronic network that really have no intention of reaching out. Well, I remember one of the early days in California, we had a guy come on the network, and he says, well, I can't tell who else is on this network, you know, in California. And he says, well, you, you pick a contact manager, You give him your information. You get to know him, and then he gets to know others, and then he shares the information about others. He said, I don't want to do that. I just want to know who else is on the group. I don't want to share my information with anybody. He wanted everybody else's information, but he didn't want to give his information to anybody. Well, that's not it. He eventually just got angrier and angrier and eventually left because he wasn't getting what he came for. He never came for the kingdom. He wanted to create his own little network of people to listen to him. He wanted to get on his soapbox and preach to everybody else. And, you know... Uh, I'd rather be out in the garden. I don't want to be preaching to everybody else. But God has chained me to this microphone. So here I am preaching the kingdom. But uh, And I don't mind being his servant. But uh, it's going to take a lot of patience because a lot of people come on this network and they are kingdom retarded. There's a term we, we pass around in society today, socially retarded. Someone who doesn't know how to socially interact. And and I'm considered socially retarded by many people because I don't interact in the way that they like me to interact sometimes. But we're keen and retarded. We don't know what it means. And people, they read something in my pages or they see something on the web. Yeah?
6: Um, There's a question that's been in the chat room for a while. Is there any way that you can get that answered because it's, Coming up at eleven forty
0: something. Yeah, I can't uh I can't see while. it, so repeat it if you can. Well
1: we're waiting um, I mean we're waiting to finish up with Scott and then we can go on to the next I'm
6: done. I've, I've been <laughs> done for a long time, Paul. You yeah, can cut me off at any time. <laughs> uh Joey's Joey's question is a lot more important than mine, so uh, Okay. We're gonna uh, keep
1: you on you. though, because you can see the chat room and I can't I I, I always do oh, that during okay. the, first of the show. Oh, I've,
6: I wish I would have known that. I'm sorry. I I would have uh,
1: I always I have the first question here, but there may be follow ups on it already. It's been a big discussion, I know. But it starts out in Matthew five twenty five. What is meant by in relation to to government? Agree with thine adver- adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison.
0: Uh well, uh, th- that has a, to do with a lot of things, uh, and uh, there's a lot of different ways in which to agree with your adversary. An adversary is someone who has something against you. Uh, and, uh, you know, it would be better to talk about that in the context of which adversary, which thing are we talking about agreeing with. You know, Jesus is giving us the spirit of things if somebody asks you to go, uh, a mile, go within two miles. In other words, we're we're not the antagonists here. We're, we're willing to sacrifice a little extra of our time, a little extra of our energy. Uh, whenever I do a job for somebody, I always do something extra for them in the job and don't charge them for it. Not that I charge them anyway, but they ask for what they owe me. I tell them what you know, what I did and based on some sort of principle that they can pay me or not. But uh, uh, I always try to do something extra that I don't account for, that I just... And they know I did that extra. And that's going that extra mile because I want to make sure that there is no way that anybody could think that I cheated them. And uh, so it kind of depends on the context of going the extra way with the adversary. Um, You could have a... You know, I'm not sure who we're talking about here, but I'm suspecting. You might owe something, uh, like alimony, or uh, child support, or uh, income tax, or a fine. Uh And you could debate with them. You could fight with them. You could argue with them. You could challenge them in the courts. Or you can just pay the extra and go on your way. Um uh, but a lot of times it's pride that keeps us from settling the dispute. It's vanity. It's selfishness that keeps us from settling the dispute. And now, you have to take these things in context. I'm not creating a rule but in every time somebody says you owe them, you have to give to them. And there is a reference in the Bible where it says if, if they ask if you give, well, there's a time where, you know, you can't do that. Uh, you because you only have so many resources and you'll be robbing from somebody you owe in order to pay somebody you don't owe. We don't want to see that either. But there is what he's talking about is not being selfish, by going the extra mile, by making extra effort not to uh, to settle a dispute rather than to keep that dispute going unnecessarily. Uh, I was just interviewed by the people at NPR radio yesterday concerning Alkali Lake, which is a huge toxic dump north of us uh, quite a few miles. We're actually in a completely different aquifer and and we're unaffected by it. But I know people who lived out there who died of cancer and had birth defects, and I'm pretty sure it's because of the toxicity of the area because of this huge toxic dump that somebody came out here and dumped. Well, a huge major billion-dollar corporation is responsible for that now, and they're trying to get out of that responsibility by appealing to the state to take over 75% of that responsibility, and they just pay a small amount. And they're paying lawyers more than they're paying for the toxic waste dump. Uh, And so I wrote a letter years ago and stopped that from happening. And the state was unable to settle the dispute and so it's still back on bear which is the company in question and so they wanted to interview me for NPR and they asked why I was interested because I lived so far away from there it is uh, because it affects somebody uh, out there and it's wrong whenever you make a portion of the planet uninhabitable you should do something about it but I actually wanted that dispute to remain on the shelf there. I mean, remain on the table uh, so that they finally settle it properly. I didn't want to let them have the easy way out. Uh, So, you know, you have to choose those battles. Uh, I'm not going to get anything for it. It's not going to affect me, but it's going to affect somebody else. And that's that's one of the key elements of the kingdom is that you have – I put in all the time out there, not for me – doesn't help me, it helps somebody else. And so sometimes we have to do that. We have to go an extra mile for people. They're not in our network, the people out there. There's no church members out there. But yet there's, there's a, someone beat up in the ditch. And as a good Samaritan, I must go to their aid because that's the righteous thing to do. Unfortunately a lot of people are deciding because of selfishness and I think that's the spirit of what uh Jesus is talking about and he talks about it like I said in several other places about going that extra mile and uh uh sacrificing our own pride and even our own funds in order to settle disputes so that we're not dragged into court. I seen I actually know somebody here in Oregon, millionaire. He's probably facing twenty five years he is facing twenty five years in jail because he refused to pay taxes that he probably owed, taxes from a corporation. And he just absolutely resisted giving because he thought the government was so corrupt. And, you know, I don't know the details of it except for the what's now in the paper uh, and what I kind of gleaned from our relation. I have no firsthand evidence of what he did or did not do, and I hope he gets off. But the reality is is because of his stubbornness he's lost at least three million dollars, uh, I know of. He's lost property worth a million dollars and he's maybe gonna lose his freedom because he was stubborn. Rather than simply pay the tax and seek the kingdom. He refused to pay the tax and didn't really seek the kingdom with the same earnestness that he was trying to get out of the tax. <laughs> And uh, he may have done things that were illegal, and now he's in court. And uh, they may take every penny and his freedom before he's done. And that was because he lacked the spirit of what Christ was referring to here in this quote. So I don't know if that really answers uh, Joy. I think this is Joy of Idaho. I'm just guessing, Uh, but I'm usually a good guesser.
1: Uh, Well, it doesn't say that, It's well I, I'm not a think Say again? It uh is a shortened form of Joey Badafuco, I think. But
0: uh Oh okay we don't know what <laughs> it really is. Uh, okay.
1: Scott, is there more was there more follow up to that?
0: Uh I don't know, uh Scott, are you still there? Did you see any responses or maybe he's typing something in? But anyway, yeah. Uh, Scott's checking on that. Um uh, I never even pulled up the quote, so I didn't look at it particularly. But it, what was the Matthew 5.5? 5, 5, is that what it was?
1: It was Matthew 5.25. Oh,
0: 5.25, okay. I'm a bad number. I did not guy, see any others um, other yeah, there, than just that.
1: There seemed to be a big discussion about it for a while, but then I, I lost connection. I, I got connected back.
6: I, I know that uh, Mark in Texas, um, he had some questions. Yeah, he was on the, he was the phone, but. In or something.
1: Yeah, he was on the phone, but his phone apparently died from battery or something before we could I get him on the in the
6: chat room.
1: I yeah, I asked don't know the, if
6: Mark, if he wanted to, yeah, but I don't see any questions where he's typed
1: in. I asked so. him to type it in, but nothing came up. That might have been when I disconnected, though. So, Mark, if yeah. you have a question, please type it in.
0: Yeah, the, the, one of the things, we have to be careful of this parasitical interpretation of you know, when it says agree with the adversary, we put those precepts into physical actions where you know, if somebody challenges us we just have to agree with them. Uh we of course that's not the point of it. He's talking about a spiritual reality that when I faced a mob of men rioting in San Francisco and uh very angry at white people and I'm extremely white and uh none of them were white and uh this is the day that Martin Luther King died, which many of you have heard me talk about. Um, I look at them with no disagreement in my eyes. In other words, no judgment, no anger, no resentment, uh, just me, whoever I am, uh, without that anger and resentment that has been so many people. We can be angry at somebody that has nothing to do with these people, but when we look back at somebody... And they look deep into your eyes. They will see that anger, even though it's not at them. They will sense that anger, and they will eat you up. You know, Uh, they sense the fear, and fear and anger are the same thing. And they, they had nothing. They just, uh, I mean, I still remember that to this day. It was like, uh, it was almost a mystical experience how they just parted. Uh, and like a straight line, you couldn't have got these guys to stand in such a straight line on both sides of the sidewalk, four feet wide, and I just walked right through. It might have been three and a half feet wide, but just a straight line of guys, and they all stood absolutely parallel to this, like an honor guard walking down to that. And it was it was bizarre. I had no idea what was going on, uh, but there was a spiritual reality there that uh, that God allowed me to be a part of. And that's where we need to be, not create this parasitical approach that, oh, if they say this to me, I will say this back to them. And if they do this, then I will do that. It, it varies. The kingdom is a spiritual realm first. In order to get to that spiritual realm, we have to set down all our baggage, all our greed, all our fears, all our anger, fear and anger again, same thing. Fear is just the other side of the angered coin.
6: Joey has a follow-up. A... Okay. And brother Mark does have a question if we, um,
0: if you want. Okay, to see we'll that. move along as quickly as we can. It,
6: um, Joey follows up with, "If one is not subject to ordinances, then how does it apply?" The question back in Matthew five twenty-five.
0: Well, brother Mark uh, quickly.
6: Brother Mark is uh, just wondering about the uh, guest call-in exchange program. If you could speak to that before the show
0: ends. Okay. Uh, we will gladly have other guests on this show, and we will do an exchange if they have a radio show. I think Mark Benucci in uh, Australia has a guest that he's trying to line up. I don't know if it's going to happen for next week or not. Um, uh, so I couldn't mention it on this show, but we will mention it in uh, news releases. Um yeah, we're all open for that. Anybody wants certain guests on this show, wants me to talk with certain people, uh, just start arranging it through the network. Which you get on at org by dropping down the menu and joining the network in your area and saying, "I think this guest ought to be on." That's the best way to do it because other people have to arrange that, and the PCMs can say what weekend they're shooting for and what the exchange program information is and and then hopefully get that to me, and then we'll set that up. Uh, back to Joey's question. I don't know a lot of people that are not subject to ordinances. A lot of people think they're not subject to ordinances, but they may be, uh, because of things that they've done in the past. Uh, the people that were in Egypt, uh, they were still subject to ordinances while they began to glean in the fields at night. When they were finally told after being subject to ordinances for quite some time. Get out of here. They no longer had a persona jurisdiction over them and were not subject to ordinances, much as the early Christians were not subject to ordinances because they did not have to obey the decrees of Caesar because they had another king. Uh, Just saying that so doesn't make it so. And uh, when the uh, uh, Israelites left, Egypt, they were still within Egyptian jurisdiction that went way beyond Canaan, which is part of the information I sent out this morning. Who was Moses? What what pharaohs were he dealing with? What time period was he in? There's a very clear record of that. Um, They were still within Egyptian jurisdiction, but no persona jurisdiction, therefore not subject to ordinances, but also could not depend on military support and had to protect themselves out there in the wilderness. Uh, in between places. When they came into Canaan, uh, they came in peacefully for the most part and took over because they had developed a superior system. It's very dangerous to think that because you've accepted Christ that you're no longer subject to ordinances. You may still be, or you may have left too much evidence behind that you were. Uh, you need to be in a body, and this is one of the things maybe we'll talk about, we don't have time today because we're running out of time, But the post I sent out showing that if you lived in the U.S. and you're a part of a free assembly that has a government, a titular government of servants, it doesn't have to be a titular government of servants, that you can be a part of that and be completely separate. And even in Canada, they make provisions for that as well. As long as you connect all the dots, they don't put it all in one place. They're not going to make it easy for you. And this is what we do with the free church report. We show you, if you read the footnotes, too, we show you the path. But I don't want to give away everything. There's some things that are given to the people to know, some things that are not. If you follow the path with us and walk with us, we'll show you the rest as we go. Till then, may peace be upon your house. Thanks, God. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Joey. God bless.